0: Hello and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. So our scripture reading today comes from Luke 25 through 28. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you'll live. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you that um, you are with us. I pray that this morning um, that you would... I know, that you would shift us and shape us into something more free, something uh, closer to what you have in mind when you think of um, the freedom and humanity that our life would be. And so I just pray for that. Also, um, I, we pray for Haiti. I pray um, your nearness and your mercy on a country that has been through plenty. And so I pray that um, as people in America, you would give us the creativity and wisdom and stir to respond um, or know how to. Um, And then we also just remind us to pray. Uh, You uh, are glad by the prayers of your people. And so uh, we feel so connected. So for people like Gabe, who are, um, I mean, he spent his last few days just Trying to reach all of the people that are part of this widespread thing that he's part of. I just pray that you would give him strength and endurance. We love him dearly and we're thankful for uh, his friendship to our church. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, a, a couple things before we jump in. Um, one, if you were here last week, those scriptures might sound familiar. We're, we're going to spend a lot of time in them over the next few weeks. Um, the second thing is we told you that uh, we're going to let you know about core groups this Sunday. Um, unfortunately, Chad, who's our associate pastor, who we love very dearly, um, his brother passed away this weekend. And so we um, we gave Chad, Chad a bye on core groups this week. Um, but will you pray for Chad and for his family, um, his parents? Uh, his brother had um, some significant special needs and has been with his parents for 33 years. They thought he they would get 14. They got 33. So there's so much to celebrate and also so much to mourn. I talked to Chad yesterday, and he was like, the reality of an empty chair at a table is excruciating. So uh, we love Chad, and so if you'll pray for him and with him, um, he misses you all this weekend, and um, I actually told him he would be in trouble if he came. He really wanted to come. So um, anyway, uh, the, so with Chad, and please pray for Chad. Uh, the next thing is you have volunteer cards on a chair somewhere near you. Um, here's how we see volunteering at the Vineyard. Um, we think that uh, signing up to say that you will do something is not you signing up to do your life mission or your life calling. For some of you, that's happened. Like Jordan, who's our kids pastor, uh, just volunteered in kids ministry and fell in love and found a calling on his life there. Um, But the way that we see it a lot of times is um, at the risk of bombing a sports analogy. Uh, We see it like an and one in basketball, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) Johnny's already laughing at me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, okay, so um, your, your goal as a basketball player is to shoot the ball and for it to go in should you get fouled in the process and you are offered an and one it is like a supplement to what you're already doing in your life and that is how we see volunteering here is that we are supplementing uh, what we do in our lives. We're practicing, we say this phrase all the time, practicing, or p- passing the peace and things like that we want to practice in this room in this building, in this place who we want to be outside of this place and so for us volunteering is a chance to do that. It's a chance to, to learn, uh, sacrifice in some ways as a chance to learn um, how to look people in the eye and pass the peace of Jesus on the green team all sorts of things um, but that's our hope is that you would find a place to practice um, so that when new folks come uh, they would feel loved and they would feel welcome and they would feel appreciated um, it, it is it matters it's a huge deal so we would love for you to volunteer you can fill those cards out drop them in the offering box on your way out um, we'll keep asking till we're full so if you like want us to quit asking just maybe sign a card <laughs> um, <laughs> so. okay uh, let's jump in you want to Um, We are spending the next few weeks, we're going to be here for a while, in uh, talking together about the art of neighboring. Um, How do we take and apply the greatest commandment? In Matthew 22, Jesus um, uh, puts words around a commandment. He calls it the greatest commandment, uh, to love your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so to catch you up, maybe if you weren't with us last week, uh, this is what we talked about. We talked about the scripture that Jamie read now. We talked about it last week. This um, this commandment, how do we apply it in our life? And we talked about how uh, when Jesus talked about loving our neighbors, we think he might have meant our actual geographic neighbors. Uh, neighbors is certainly a Wider term than that. Uh, Next week we really will jump to the next part of the story and we'll see Jesus widening uh, the term for neighbors. I absolutely believe it's wider than just the people that live close to us, but widening the term neighbors doesn't disqualify the people who live near us. The people who live uh, closest to us, and so we talked about how um, maybe um, the, the the biggest chance for a small church to make a great change over our uh, community, our cities, uh, uh, even East Tennessee, is by learning how to do what Jesus taught us to do, and that's learning how to be a good neighbor, how uh, to love our neighbors. And so we used uh, these cards as a guide. They should be uh, sitting. I meant to grab one. Uh, there may be a slide, uh, but they should be sitting close to you. Will you, if you, especially if you didn't have one. Last Last week, will you grab that card? I promise this is not us making you sign up for kids ministry. This is sermon (laughs) appropriate. Um, So if you will grab that card. um, These are the ones that we uh, used last week. And here's what we did. Last week, um, we did a test and we all tried to write down the eight People who live closest to us, the eight families, houses, whatever, uh, apartments, condos, the eight farms closest to our farm, um, the eight people who live closest to us, Um, and not many of us were able to do that, that's just uh, a a spoiler, but... um, also got complaints that I did not give you enough time to write down uh, last week, and so uh, sorry for the time. Anyway, um, so this this card, this may not be like a perfect map of your neighborhood or your condo complex or your farm or wherever you live, um, but we just tried to write down the eight uh, houses or dwellings that were closest to us, um, and, and we made this a challenge we decided together. I decided for us together that we that we would spend this series trying to be able to fill out that card, uh, learning, uh, spending the series learning retaining and then using the names of our neighbors that's kind of the important part not only do we want to learn their names we want to remember their names maybe that's why you needed extra time that's why I need extra time because I was like what's their name you know Uh, learning it retaining it but then also using it we talked last week about how there's so much value just in someone's name there's so much power in their name Uh, Eugene Peterson says this bold statement he says Names are the most important part of language. That is bold. Names are the most important part of language. They are very basic, life-giving parts of speech. If you say a person's name, there's life there. Until there's a name, there is no relationship. That is a bold statement. Until there is a name, there is no relationship. So this is bold. And, and so here's the thing. We're doing it together. We want to do this together, learn how uh, to neighbor together, learn how to learn, retain, and use the names of our neighbors together. Anyone have any success this week? It's tough. (laughs) Oh, yay, one person. This is tough, but we're in this together. We're still in it. Um, Okay, so today I really want to talk about the reasons why I think maybe that was tough, that assignment was tough, the reason why I think filling out this card is really tough or neighboring is really tough and a hard goal for all of us, and that is the barrier of time uh, in our lives. This may sound really, really simple, but uh, I know it's true for me. The biggest barrier between me and fulfilling the greatest commandment is time. I think maybe for a lot of you, the biggest barrier between you and fulfilling the greatest commandment is uh, time. Again, if, if you were here last week, I hope you uh, were like renew, got this like renewal or this new value in your mind toward your neighbors, toward the people who live closest to you, toward their stories and their hearts. maybe even like some creativity and calling around how to love them better. Um, but my guess is, if you're anything like me, you probably also left here with that feeling that's like, when do I? We don't have time to do that. Like, when, when will I squeeze this in? How will I find time for this? My schedule's tense and I'm worn very thin. Uh, we have lots of stories around here. We have students who work part-time and go to school full-time or, or people who work full-time or over full-time. We have parents and Uber drivers and parents who become Uber drivers because they're parents, um, we, people who just got married, people who take care of their parents or someone else. Life is insane uh, for all of us. Anyone relate to that part? It's insane for all of us. In America, we wear the term busy like a badge of honor, right? Right? I wish that wasn't true. Like, I wish that wasn't true for me. Um, But I do. I hear that, like, America wears busy like a badge of honor, and I think it's absurd. And then I continue to live my life as if hurry and busy are what I value most in all of the world. Uh, John Mark Comer is an author who gets quoted a lot around here, and he says, hurry is an act of violence to our souls. Yeah, (laughs) ouch. Hurry is an act, busy is an act of violence to our souls. Uh, I read this a few years ago and it hit me kind of weird um, because I hate being busy but then I also kind of love being busy um, because it means I get to lots of places. I do lots of things. My life is fine. Sometimes it's like ridiculously stressful and anxious but I can usually get to a place of fine. Sometimes busy is a season um, but generally I'm pretty happy and things are okay. Okay. And so it's like, violence, really? Uh, But then I read the quote recently, and I felt like I read it for the first time. I realized it said something deeper than I had first read. I first read um, that hurry and busy were violent against my life. That isn't what he says. He says, violent against your soul. Against your soul. Busy is tough on our bodies. It's tough on our families and friendships and marriages and, and all kinds of things, but the violence of it Is to our souls. What's at risk is our souls. The greatest commandment to love God and to love our neighbor, uh, that is the commandment of God uh, for the work of the soul, uh, for soul work. The lawyer who we read about, he comes to Jesus and he says, What do I need to do to have everything that you're promising? And Jesus looks at him. He says, What do you think you need to do? And the lawyer quotes the commandment of loving God and loving our neighbors. And Jesus says, Yes. And then in verse 28, Jesus says, Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live alive. I could read you dozens of articles from psychologists or psychological magazines or books or art, whatever. Uh, and, I, and they would tell you that your body and mind and family and business and, and whatever and whoever you intersect with are at risk because of busy and because of hurry. But Jesus touches on something different than anything I could read you there. Uh, and that's the reality that our souls are also what's at risk. Uh, I describe myself this week as soul weary. Have you ever related to this term? So weary, like there's tired, there's exhausted. These are the ways I reply when people: How are you? Tired, exhausted, chopped liver, or toast? Those are my words. Those are the true, actual things uh, that I say. But this week, it was like so weary. I'm so weary. Uh, Eugene Peterson translates Matthew's words in Matthew in Matthew 11 as: uh, Are you? This is Jesus talking to us. Are you tired or worn out? Then he says, get away with me to recover your life. Get away with me and recover your life. Here Jesus says, want to know how to live life full and free? It's brilliantly simple. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is not Jesus uh, teaching us how to earn a spot in heaven, which is kind of what the lawyer seems to be asking Rather, it's Jesus' answer for how to inherit the good things of the kingdom now. Now, that's Jesus is always answering. There's a lot of times he's answering about the future, but he's almost always answering about now. The greatest commandment isn't just um, to guarantee success in an afterlife. It offers us freedom and wholeness now, today. Uh, I have uh, this thing called a rule of life. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more about it this fall. It probably sounds terrible to you if you're anything like me and you hate rules. Um, But essentially... It's a document where I essentially wrote out who I want to be and how I want to try to be it. Um, I, I have it. I wanted to try to live my life on purpose instead of my life living me. And so um, part of that document is I have this practice where at least four times a year I watch this documentary video. I know I'm sounding so cool you can't stand it. Um, <laughs> I watch this documentary video called Godspeed. Has anyone seen it? Okay, a few of you, okay. I'm gonna, it's so, it's, is it also in your rules of life? Everyone's related to me. that <laughs> um, I'm gonna put it on our resources this week. If you follow us on social media, look for this video. If you don't have social media, email me and I'll send it to you. Um, but uh, it is so, it is so good. Uh, it's the story of an Anglican priest named Matt. And um, Matt ends up in a, uh, he gets out of school and he ends up in a parish in Scotland to learn how to be a priest. And he has this prolific discovery around the term Godspeed. He says, we say Godspeed about loads of things uh, all the time for loads of reasons, but for him this term came to life um, because the priest who was training Matt uh, required, one of his requirements was that Matt had to spend his days walking around the parish, which in Scotland a parish is, uh, it it kind of means it anywhere, but very much in Scotland it's it's the town or the community uh, where you live. One time Matt gets in trouble from the priest because he said he He preached like the best sermon ever and the priest told him it was too long and he spent too much time writing it and he should have been walking around with the people and he was like I don't know what a pastor does (laughs) like I'm so confused so um, anyway so uh, he he does this he walks the town and as he walks the town and he gets to know this people he has this epiphany uh, that God's speed is walking God's speed is walking when Jesus came into the world, he did everything that he needed to do, which is arguably more important than anything we need to do. And he walked. Now, you can certainly argue that there were no cars and that's why he walked, but there were animals. And we only have one example of him riding a donkey, and it was a tiny donkey. That thing ain't fast. He walked. He walked. And so this priest, Matt, his life was changed by the idea that God's speed, God's speed is three miles an hour. I don't know how fast you walk. That's my speed. I've seen Holly Scarlett walk like 25 miles an hour, Um, but three miles an hour. Jesus lived out every hope, every plan, and every dream of the Father by walking three miles an hour. Some of the folks in the documentary, they, they note the difference in, in walking. They say you see more, you smell more, you hear more, you experience more than we ever can when we're in a hurry. Uh, there's another story I love. It's a, a, a pastor named John, and he gets a chance to sit with this um, wise friend who happened to be the very brilliant Dallas Willard, if you've ever read Dallas Willard. And John asked Dallas Willard this question. He says, "As a pa- like, as just a Christian, like, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy?" Like, there's so much going on in my life. He had just gone to this new big church in Chicago. He was like, how do I become healthy? How do I become spiritually healthy? And Dallas Willard, he said, he he paused for a very long time. And then he looked at me and he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That's another strong statement. Not just a charge to eliminate hurry, but to do it ruthlessly for the sake of our souls. Part of following Jesus means learning that uh, ruthless art of elimination, learning how to carve out space in our lives, uh, time in our lives. It's, It's learning the art of elimination in order to recover freedom in order to recover life. It's about learning how to say no to the things that everyone else around us seems to do without thinking and without question. You know, uh, you know I love art, uh, and I love art histories, and there's a legend that when Michelangelo was sculpting David, uh, someone asked him, how did you get this David out of this block? How did you do this? How did you sculpt you know, the, arguably the greatest sculpture of all time? And apparently Michelangelo replied, it was easy, I'll pause for effect. (laughs) It was he says. It was easy. I just removed everything that was not David, or and I read another version. I removed everything that was not a masterpiece. I think so often we live our lives opposite of that. We don't stare at a block, stare at our lives and dream of a life removing everything that does not fit uh, what we feel like God has asked it to be. So often we go at life completely in the opposite direction. Instead, we allow life to carve us into what life wants us to be. I've heard a lot of sermons about like really big charged things that are barriers between us and God or us and our purpose. Uh, But if I'm honest, I'm not sure any of those big charged things have ever stood in the way of me reclaiming my life or living out my purpose or, or, or living who I want to be with Jesus quite like busy and hurry. I said I was soul weary a few minutes ago. I'm not sure I'm soul weary uh, directly because I'm busy. Uh, I think busy and hurry for me are the ways that I numb what is so weary inside me. They are numbing mechanisms for what's weary and sad inside me. Ways I try to cover that or numb that. Uh, Some of you may relate to this uh, too. For me, the biggest barrier between me living life with God... Uh, how he has called me to live is my inability to chip away and to remove the things that uh, fill my time and stretch me so thin and uh, are not a masterpiece my inability to remove the parts of me that are not david or more accurately are not Lindsay. things like hurry and busy and having no time uh, hurry and love uh, they just don't really go together because love takes time, and people who hurry, that's like the one thing they don't have, right? Love takes time, and, and when we're busy, the one thing we don't have is time. Love, it requires an ability that hurry cannot make room for. This is one of the reasons that hurry and busy um, don't really aren't really compatible with neighboring, because neighboring requires some room, some availability, some interruptibility, You all have that neighbor, or you've had that neighbor, I'm guessing, who has perfected the art of interrupting. (laughs) I want to tell you like 10 stories, but this is me growing up that I'm censoring these stories. Um, (laughs) uh, Something fascinating to me about Jesus is that he led an incredibly interruptible life. He was able to be interrupted. He did everything he needed to do and made room for interruptions. There's a story about Jesus. Uh, I, I, a lot of you have probably heard it. Jesus, and he's on his way uh, with a very important man to heal his very sick daughter. And they're on the way to the daughter's house, um, and it's a, it's a hurry because she's dying and she's sick. And on the way, another woman touches Jesus' robe, and he stops everything, and he face-to-face uh, like just ministers to this woman and heals this woman. Uh, and the little girl is dying, and Jesus is the one who can heal her, but he still makes room to be interrupted by this woman who also needs healing. Part of carving out what is stealing life from us means learning how to move slowly enough that you, that we, can be Interrupted. Uh, I'm not saying live a boundaryless life, not at all. I'm saying, I think for the good of our souls and for our purpose and for our mission from God and the great commandment, uh, what I'm saying is slow down. What I'm saying to me is slow down. Do not allow the busy and the schedule and all of the things that you're a part of to keep you from the holy interruptions that God is constantly sending your way. Uh, I am failing at this one terribly and actively. I, I once described my schedule as a dance, that it is a perfectly choreographed waltz. I don't even have time for a red light, like an extra red light, you know. Like, I don't have time for traffic. It is like this perfected art of getting where I need to go, when I need to get there, and then picking up a kid, you know. All of the things. Uh, I think there's something profound in this uh, for us. Learning how to move slowly enough to create margin in our life that allows us to be highly interruptible. That's a goal of mine this fall to learn how to live with a margin. Uh, Margin is the space between what you do and have to do and carry and your limits. And I like to live on the edge of the edge of the edge of my limits. (laughs) That is my preferred living location. But margin leaves space for love. And it doesn't just happen. It it has to be carved out. Okay, one last story. And we'll we'll wrap up. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we had one of those Sundays where everything kind of went wrong. I'm pretty sure it was one of those weeks that the air conditioning was out. Uh, Your body still remembers this. And uh, it was just a crazy Sunday. And I don't normally notice when people are like my staff are late to things that I'm not, uh, I don't, that's just not something I'm I'm usually worried about. Um, And, but, but when things are crazy, it's like, You're noticing every minute, you know, it's like things that don't normally matter suddenly become super important. And I keep looking at my watch and I'm like, where is Jordan? Jordan's our kids pastor. I'm like, where is he? Like, you know, I wonder if if he's okay and if he's coming. And and then I look out the window and I see Jordan riding his bike up the hill, which is the coolest that he rides his bike to church every Sunday. He lives in the neighborhood and he, he rides his bike up and he comes and finds me and he's like apologizing all over himself for being late. And then he tells me why. And, um, so like I said, Jordan rides his bike pretty much every Sunday and he was riding his bike, um, over the bridge by the pool, um, that where you can legally spray paint and, um... And he was riding his bike over that bridge. Uh, and and just kind of a side story, in the weeks uh, before, this was in June. And uh, it, in June, our, our little neighborhood made national news, national news, uh, for a spray paint situation that was incredibly heartbreaking uh, on the bridge. It was awful. And so that morning, um, it, it was essentially like um, uh, the gay community was like painting, and the people would come and paint over it. And it was just this back and forth, and it was so so sad, and Jordan's riding his bike to, to, to church that morning, and he rides over the bridge, and um, and someone had painted over, uh, what looked like maybe some suffered pride, uh, some really nasty words, uh, all of which begin with F, and there were threats against people painted on this bridge, and he says he rides over, and there's a lady with a couple of cans of spray paint, just like trying to cover up, and Jordan was like, I had to stop, this is my neighborhood. My kids that I'm about to teach about the love of Jesus are going to ride over this and I don't want them to know these words. Like they're very bad words. I don't want to see them to see this, and so I stopped and I helped this lady paint love on the bridge. I know Jordan. By the way, that's a great kids pastor who will stop and be late to church to paint love on a bridge. And I know, Jordan, he lives his life with margin. And he lives his life with space and room for interruptions and room to do things like that. And as I listened to him, I thought, I don't know if I would have stopped. I hope I would. I hope I would have, but I had somewhere to be. I, I don't know if I would have stopped. Uh, here's the truth. When I say I don't have time to get to know my neighbors. When we say we don't have time to get to know our neighbors, what we're really saying is I don't think getting to know my neighbors is as important as everything else I do. And for me, that list of everything else, it's full of some really good and holy and missional things. And it's also full of Instagram and watching tutorials of things online that I will never do. (laughs) I won't do them. I'm really glad that Jordan made room uh, for love that morning. It was inspiring to me. But bigger than that, it felt holy. It was him loving his neighbors. How he could, how he knew to. Okay, so I have some homework for you this week. Um, those cards. If you didn't get one last week, grab them. Um, Put them on your fridge. Unless your neighbors come over, then that's real creepy to have their names written on your fridge. Um, but put on your fridge. It just says, like, uh, I want to do this. Like, I want to know uh, their names. And we'll keep working on learning, using, or learning, retaining, and using the names of our neighbor. Um, but here's assignment number two. We're building on last week's homework. Um, assignment number two. This is it. Spend one hour in your front yard. Or... The front of your space or walking to the farm nearby or the gathering area of your apartment complex or or your condo or your neighborhood. Do you get what I'm saying? Whatever front yard means for you. the, The space where people you live will see you, live next to you will see you. One hour this week of being highly interruptible by the people who live closest to you. That's 10 minutes a day with a day off. You're welcome. I gave you a Sabbath from neighboring. 10 a day, or 20 minutes, three times a day, or one hour on Saturday. Literally do not care how you do it and how you break it up. But I'll do it too. One hour, front yard, visible, interruptible. I spend more than 10 minutes a day doing really dumb, mind-numbing things, and so do you. <laughs> 10 minutes, okay? Uh, the band can come on up. Um, I, let's, let's pray on this. Um, I just want to pray uh, for the courage to look at our lives honestly. There's um, a prayer in the recovery movement, Um, the serenity prayer. You may have heard of it, but there's a second part of this prayer that says, I want to see the world how Jesus does uh, as it is, not just as we hope it would be. And so that's how I want to pray, is that we would have the courage to look in our own lives and see them uh, as they really are, not just how they, we hope that they are, how we really spend our time, not just how we hope uh, we spend our time. And I want to pray for the courage to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives, to cut out everything in our lives that isn't Lindsay or Jamie or Kurt or Sarah or Tim, to, to, to carve out the things that are not us. I read this quote this week from John Mark Comer who I just um, quoted and it's from his book he has a book and it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry um, good title uh, I'll put it on our resources too it's awesome um, it, this quote is haunting he says this he says do you ever catch yourself with the sneaking suspicion that you'll wake up on your deathbed with this nagging sense that somehow in all the hurry and business, busyness and frenetic activity you miss the most important things I almost hated that so much I didn't read it <laughs> I don't know about you but I want to recover my life I want to be free and I'm really tired <laughs> and so I got to work on eliminating and getting to those most important things so let's just we're just going to spend a minute praying and then there'll be some verses on the screen same verses from last week it's Acts 17 where uh uh Luke is telling us that Jesus but where we live matters to Jesus that he put us there that we're there on purpose no matter where that is so let's pray together Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. We believe that you're here, but we ask you to wake up to your presence and your reality in this room. And I pray that you, Spirit, would give us the courage to look in our own lives and to look in our own hearts. Where are we? um, Where is there violence to our soul? I think for a lot of us, that's probably around time and busy and hurry. For some of us, that's not even it. So we just will trust you to expose whatever it is that is working violence against us. Um, but yeah, pray for the courage to see things how they are, not just how we hope they are. And pray for the courage um, to lean in on this. And then I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the discernment and the creativity to start to carve things uh, out of our lives that are not us, that are not who you have created us to be, who you have called us to be uh, in ourselves and our families and friendships, our community, our places of work and school. And I thank you that, um, It seems like Jesus was always just trying to set people free. And so we believe that that's what he's in the business of. And so we just (laughs) ask for it. Will you just set us free today? Deliver us from a badge of honor that means really honestly nothing. We love you. In your name we pray.